Welcome to Financial Flight Academy with John Schutz and Brent Connolly from Soar Wealth Strategies. In this podcast, we inspire families and business owners to build a foundation for their financial future. We do this by listening and building trust with our clients. Join us for this journey where we explore ways to protect your nest and live out your dreams as John and Brent draw from years of experience and guest experts to help you take that leap of faith. Today's guest has traveled the world learning culinary secrets and perfecting his craft. Growing up on a farm in India to cooking in five-star hotels in the Middle East. This is truly a story of inspiration. Let's learn about Chef Ashish's journey to Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to Financial Flight Academy. I'm Brent Conley, co-founding partner of Soar Wealth Strategies. And I'm co-host and co-founding partner at Soar Wealth Strategies, John Schutz. Today's guest, no doubt is what the American dream is all about. This is a story of where passion meets perseverance. And as always, the goal of Financial Flight Academy is to share stories of individuals that have overcome obstacles, taken risks, and ultimately have become inspirations to the community they serve. So that's the goal here, to inspire you to take a leap of faith. So please welcome Chef Ashish Satyan. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks for the invite. You're welcome. Well, John, I think we should change the name of this podcast to Financial Food Academy. We can't stop meeting individuals in the food industry that have amazing stories. Apparently, we know what we do with our free time. What's the name of your restaurant, Ashish? It's called Kinara Indian Cuisine Regency. Okay. Yes, located over there in Regency off about 108th and between Dodge and Pacific. If you know the Omaha metro area, we have a huge selection of restaurants, okay? We are a melting pot for many different cultures and types of food. What I also find interesting is Ashish's story and when you started, but let's let's start from the beginning. Tell us a little bit about where you grew up in India. So I grew up in India with my parents and my grandpa and grandma, my sister. Mm -hmm. So that place is called a state, southern state called Kerala. And so we used to had a lot of history, like growing, I mean, farming history. So we used to have a lot of rice, banana, uh, tapioca. So it's fun to watch when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. What's like, the, what was the weather like there growing up there? What type of you know climate? It's hot means really hot and rain means really rain and <laughs> normal fall kind of weather in December. So we have like a three seasons, but we don't have a snow. Mm. And what do you think about snow here in Nebraska? I mean, when I came to New York, it was so fun because I used to play outside because I never experienced the snow. So we used to buy vodka, put in the snow day outside and drink. It was so fun. (laughs) (laughs) But now I don't like anymore. (laughs) That that tends to happen to people, Ashish. Changed that uh, pretty quick there, didn't he? It's like a kid, like a beginning. Now, now, growing up, family, you told me it was very important to you. You said you live with your grandma and grandpa as well. Yep. Tell us a little bit about your family network and, and uh, how that dynamic played out. Big family, small family? Yeah, big family. But I grew up with my parents, sister, grandma, grandpa. And at the beginning, we had my uncle and his wife used to live with us. But then we separate. I mean, we built own house and moved like and same I mean, uh, close to like a 500 meter away from our old house. So because it's like a big land. Mm-hmm. So it's fun, like a 
every year we have family visiting from different state and it's like a big gathering and mm-hmm. all the time when there is families food is an important so i grew up watching a lot of like fresh caught seafood or you know mm-hmm. on raised chicken or a lot of vegetables from farm mm-hmm. they make different styles so food is like a big thing when i grow up with my big family so we we obviously we do a lot of financial planning here it's always interesting for us to find out from people what was money like growing up for you oh it wasn't much kind of poor but average and uh, but we had a lot of farm i mean not a lot but it's enough to you know survive right and what what about your father what was his role in supporting the family oh he was beginning as farmer then it wasn't working out well then he went to different state with my aunt then he learned driving and he went to saudi arabia and we he was a driver at saudi for almost 16 years oh wow but he visited only every year okay so, so he, he was like a delivery driver uh he used to work for while for coca cola then he became a cab driver he on he drive on car and you know mm-hmm. that was work hard over there and then send money back for the family oh yeah yeah for It's sure like immigrant dream <laughs> so you 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 had this farm and you grew different things things that we don't probably grow here in nebraska i'm yeah. guessing rice banana tapioca coconut always and the mangoes but large scale we grow tapioca and the rice gotcha and tapioca okay help me out here yeah tapioca is it's the root that yep. you use correct yeah is the just, top part is is fun to watch and look, the yeah. bottom we eat right <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. I, gotcha i did not know that i just know tapioca well, pudding I, yeah i i i watched uh, a lot of films in high school so right. you know that's this is how you learn things brent anyway right very good hmm. <laughs> so uh a little bit about your education growing up you went to public school Yeah, okay. And I myself was a study abroad program in Mexico f- during college. So I I I kind of know what it was like to kind of learn a second language, but I know that when I was down there visiting with a lot of the locals, they were required to take English early on. So tell me a little bit about how you started to get, you know, kind of the, some English vocabulary and and learn the language down there. So the basic education like uh if you go to public school back in days, so fourth standard, you have to start learn English. so they just start with the words and you know some and fifth standard is go you know first english so fifth standards like fifth grade yeah fifth okay. grade there is more they start teaching more so every higher you grow there is you have to learn more english and also we have to learn multiple language like a hindi part of our education then common like here mathematics science mm-hmm. you know physics chemistry So, okay. Hmm. How many languages do you speak? I speak uh, three. Okay. Actually four, but uh, Malayalam. <laughs> <Just> counting. <laughs> Malayalam is my mother tongue, and English we learn for you know surviving, so we can communicate. Uh huh. Right. <laughs> oh. And the Hindi, common, popular language in India. Then hmm. little bit Tamil. Hmm. But okay, I no. pretend like I only know Malayalam because <laughs> I love my language. Sure. Yeah. And that mother tongue. Malayalam is just a local dialect I understand. Yeah, my our state, every state have a, their own language in India. Oh my goodness. So that's it. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I learned that in Switzerland also that you might be in one community and they speak a totally they they couldn't communicate with somebody 
from not very far away because it's a different language pretty much altogether yeah. sometimes. Same with the food too. Yeah. And the religion. But yeah. I would still eat the food. I, I may not be able to understand yeah. somebody, but I would eat uh, anybody's food. We'd be able much. to so, translate yeah. that over there. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so Ashish, where did the uh, passion for cooking come from? I mean, I I was a kid, so I always being around the people make amazing food like mom, my grandma. Everybody does amazing cooking. So I don't know, one day after high school, graduated from high school, uh, my mom want me to go for further education. Then I I go to the admission, but I said, no, I am going for a culinary school. Then I thought it's not that much hard work, but I ended up being like working 16 hours a day for oh, wow. $5 a month. <laughs> Train period over a year. Wow. Wow. Yeah, but it's fun. We graduate almost 30 plus 32. But after a year, I came to know there was only four staying in the same industry because other all left because back in days it's really hard the chefs senior chefs 99 percent treat you like a slave because <laughs> you they want to make sure either either they show their power plus they'll teach you the best and they want to make sure you're doing right and they don't you don't survive if you are not a hard work. So okay, so I see this chef on TV. I don't I don't really watch the show, but all the promos of this chef are him screaming at people. Is that do, Yeah. Is that really kind of capture how it really is in yeah. these high level not kitchens? All of the chef, but now it's changing, but it's fun. I like it because then you can be a tough if you're a crybaby, you're going to quit. So you don't want to cry babies in your kitchen. <laughs> Either you Makes the food salty. Yeah. <laughs> you either be strong and, you know, you're going to deal with a lot of things. You don't have time to sit there and yeah. it's like a... Right. There, there's a fine line there probably to make you tough in the kitchen. And yeah. I imagine they wanted to make sure they were going to see who was really going to stick with the program. Yeah. yeah. Same with Dubai too. If you work with the French, German chefs, they don't care. <laughs> you want to, as long as you're doing the good job, yeah, they will appreciate if you don't. So and they don't wait for anyone to do doing the dishes and everything if they want something they'll step in wherever it one I'm, I'm guessing that's that weeds some people out pretty quickly yeah yeah so i got a question you, you said something once about your uh grandmother and, and your father had different opinions about your cooking yeah touch on that a little bit here <laughs> because because uh, your grandma basically inspired you yeah but the thing is she won't eat anything outside of the home Who's that? Your father? No, my grandma. Oh, your grandma. Okay. Even we go outside, she only drink a tea. She don't eat any food from the hotel or restaurant her entire life. And the houses, she don't know. Personally, she won't eat there too. She's <laughs> really picky. <laughs> and she don't eat beef, meat, less. And she how on plate, she's that kind of clean. Okay. Then after I was in the culinary school, so you all do practice practical too so one of my cousin got visiting us after the newly marriage so i thought i was gonna make something new to them then i made a chili chicken everybody liked it except my grandma because when you put a cornstarch that consistency is different for chili chicken she's like what, what the <laughs> grandma's a tough cookie yes yeah. she is <laughs> but she helped me to do everything Clean the chicken and cutting vegetables. She said, no. <laughs> Very supportive, but draws the line at actually eating yeah. the food. Interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> so so what, what is it like working in uh, 
some of these five star hotels oh that's like a best experience you could i mean for your career you learn a lot of things and you work with amazing chefs and the best facilities you could imagine in your life and i still think that i should go back and work there wow well that had to be a little stressful though cuz i know that you mean you grew up with a very good supporting family to leave them and go work in dubai yeah it was these... so sad yeah and crying for a month i want to go back <laughs> yeah. because i am so picky that time to even, like my grandma i only like eating kerala food i wasn't a big fan of northern indian cooking or i don't want to eat i only eat our own rice it's called matta rice okay but when i went to dubai there is only basmati rice which i hated i don't like it <laughs> then the, the food doesn't have the, you know the cafeteria food is really tough okay but i survived hmm. well, so were there some obstacles for you that you had to overcome going to dubai obviously different country different language i mean dubai even though arabic country they speak english really good so they are also english and hindi is the majority because a lot of indians oh okay mm-hmm. yeah well and i think you mentioned once that being english as a second language it was maybe somewhat challenging and maybe a little bit of self doubt on on your level of english and and tell us a little bit about being forced to speak english as a second language over there oh so the school you all need to study the book and you know the test you passing you actually won't speak much but when you i mean you don't have to you only study whatever in the book you study and you score the mark so i always somehow make it better in english not great okay but good compared to other yeah i i i remember having the same apprehension living in mexico because you're trying to learn the language and you really want to respect and not butcher the language but the people there were very kind to me and they understood what i was saying even though i may have transposed a few words here or there um hopefully you experience the same yeah the thing is english uh, private school studying you just gonna copy cat whatever from the book but the grammar is really tough i still my grammar wasn't that great but i don't pay much attention mm-hmm. so it's just for communication yeah yeah quick quick story so when i was in mexico for for 6 months toward towards the end of that that stay i remember actually starting to dream in spanish mm. and really become more and more comfortable didn't have to think so much about what i was going to say i just naturally blurted out good and bad that's for another podcast but no i think that uh that says a lot about your character and it's very challenging to step into another culture and adopt not only their language but you know how they do things and and who would have known you had different types of rice in different regions right it's weird cuz i dream in subtitles but anyway <laughs> when we come back we're going to talk about how ashish found his way to new york hey sorry for the interruption i know you're listening to the podcast financial flight academy and we are so happy you're here if you have any questions please head over to soarwellstrategies.com or the show notes to find out how to reach us we would love to hear from you We're back with Ashish Satyan, local chef here in Omaha, and Ashish. So you're in Dubai. Uh, you bounced around from some hotels in Kuwait, and then back to Dubai. And how did you get to America? So my friend was saying there was a restaurant looking for an Indian chef. So that time I was in Dubai. So through him, I contact the owner. That's why I came to New York. 
So tell us a little about some of the mentors and, and former chefs that you have that really kind of helped push you to get toward the U.S. Oh, okay. So the while I was in Kerala, I used to uh, had a his uh, his name is Sajish, and other chef name is Suresh. They were really, I mean, the Suresh was really tough. <laughs> I mean, he, he literally used to give me all the punishment. He called this royal straight. I used to work like some days, sixteen hour because he think. Uh, I mean, if I stand there, he say, "Oh, it's not clean. You don't clean good. Okay, <laughs> you don't did that. Okay, royal straight." 16 hour really tough on you yeah and the other guy was used to teach me a lot of basic stuff mm -hmm. so i think i worked with him only eight months but he actually trained me well then i was in the other hotel his name is um uh, naiju mm -hmm. he was kind of chef de cuisine there but he trained me a lot of western cooking mm -hmm. and uh, then i went to another steakhouse and there was a chef called Baiju. He teach me same thing with some Italian cooking. So these are the people inspired me in, mm. back in Kerala. But I was in Dubai. There was a lot of chefs called Chef uh, Alex, Chef Bruno, mm -hmm. and there's countless other people. So it was like a great experience while I was in Dubai. And Chef Doin. Was it, was it always a dream to come to America? I mean, actually wasn't, but someday... My friend came here and he was saying, hey, you should come here. It's better money. Mm -hmm. We used to work in Dubai and we wasn't making much money. Mm -hmm. So he said, come over. And that's why I came. Okay. And so you, you start you start in New York, right? Yeah. And what were what was your role there? So it's Indian cuisine. So I used to be a, started as an appetizer chef because version of American Indian food is a little bit different. Yeah, and the style of cooking and the care line, everything in the kitchen is different than what we do in India. Americanized Indian food, right? I mean, not Americanized. Yeah. I mean, but the style okay. because ingredient too, you know, a lot of things. So you always start with an appetizer, then you experience oh, okay. that, then you go. Up. Then I become a Thai chef there because it was a multi cuisine. Oh, so I learned some Thai. So I was <laughs> a Thai cook. So okay. <laughs> Interesting. So how did you end up in Omaha, Nebraska from New York? So quite a bit the, different. The restaurant I came to New York first, they opened another branch in, uh, I mean, second location in New Jersey. So I was there, but it business wasn't good, but we had uh, multiple chefs already working and it's kind of tough for owner to pay everyone. Then other guys are not leaving. I said, I'm going to leave because it's not worth everyone is doing and mm -hmm. owner is struggling. Then I want to go to California okay, and one more state and see a couple of, couple of years work and go back home for permanent. But I couldn't find any better option there. So I found in Omaha. So I came here. So you only made it halfway to California. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? what uh what what attracted you to Omaha? Why did you stick around here? I mean, I was here first three months. I thought I'm going to leave because I <laughs> the, I came here during winter time. So it's kind of really tough. And Omaha, New York, New Jersey to Omaha is like a big, big difference. Yes. It's like you are in a village. You couldn't <laughs> even figure it out what's happening here. And the, it's totally different. 
then i stayed here then i dated a girl we broke up then mm. i thought okay i gonna leave then i found another job better job then i stayed and i worked for him for commitment mm-hmm. then after a while we opened indian bowl with another guy 2018 last right indian bowl that was located in blackstone yeah. area right mm-hmm. then so started your own restaurant uh, is that right i mean i was kind of working partner okay so all my idea and everything then it wasn't going well then he want to sell that place then 2020 we opened kinara right and this is where it gets very interesting 2020 you opened right. a restaurant yeah yeah i i sensed there could have been a problem around that time exactly <laughs> is it true that you opened about 2 weeks 2 before or 3 weeks before covid shut down before covid shut down yeah so, what were you what were you feeling obviously i mean this is your dream of owning your own restaurant and and here here comes covid so 2019 Uh, Indian bowl so I met Kim there Kim's sister used to come there and eat a lot because she used to work at VA and she connected me and Kim Kim was my wife so she I mean she's she was in India that time so she was more into Indian food and we start dating then this place is closing mm-hmm. and Kim's dad got sick so okay. we already going through a too difficult situation and I thought okay we gonna I going to lose the job because it's closing right right and I don't want to work for anyone Kim yeah. said then option B I should move out from Omaha back to New York where my friend with my friends so I can find a better opportunity but Kim's dad passed away and it's kind of tragedy so I found this place in Millard mm-hmm. so it was subleasing and not too expensive and I said hey, we we going to open that Kim kind of half minded but somehow we ended up opening and it stand out <laughs> right. and we opened two weeks before covid mm-hmm. then restaurant name everyone is talking and a new indian place open the guy from indian bowl and then we had a really busy week next week we shut down because covid how did how did you make it through covid we did curbside curbside so, delivery pickup yeah curbside pickup was great because there was a private parking and we already had a handheld that small system so you can take outside and take the payment from car that wasn't that much popular th- during that time but kim was in economics so ah there you go <laughs> ideas worked out so that's actually helped behind every successful guy is a very supportive woman or wife <laughs> yeah she <laughs> she really she actually or is the my, brains of the operation in some cases yeah, she made uh, <laughs> help me to kind of make it successful or happening my american dream otherwise right. i never own a restaurant yeah because well, who gonna put up this idea right <laughs> and and i i remember i had a, my wife and i amy had the pleasure of first meeting you at a, another restaurant here and oh. i think what really stood out to us is that very rarely would a chef come out from the kitchen and check on you to say how was the food what did you think about it and not only that but challenge us to try different types of food i know you've been here five times and you get the same thing but you need to try this and <laughs> you were you were just very conversational and i think that was the difference and not only have we become good friends but i know we were trying to be as supportive as we can during covid with that curbside pickup i'm not a big 
proponent. I don't do a lot on social media, but this is one of those situations where different apps through social media. I know we would take some pictures of your food before we scarfed it down when we got home <laughs> and posted and say, hey, go check out Chef Ashish. Yeah, that Omar food lovers helped. Yeah, for sure. And uh, other thing, like, yeah, I like go out and talk to the customer because you can get honest feedback. 99% people say they like or not and you can direct uh, what they like, what they went wrong and you can see the customer why they wasted the food. This will all I learned from while I was in Dubai. And also one of my friend was corner with me when we opened that Kinara, but he no longer partner with us. So this that's all helped. Do you okay? So I've I've always wanted to know this about chefs, people who are at the very highest levels of making food. Because you know, I'll make something at home and you know, it's just me throwing something together. But do you have a favorite dish that you like to make? And then the second part of that question is, did you ever have something on the menu that you thought this is going to be big and for whatever reason it wasn't? Yeah, it's always <laughs> something. Oh, yeah, my favorite, anything with the fish. Okay. Because I love fish. I don't eat all kind of fish, but uh, red snapper, sea bass, this all, you know, similar to mahi-mahi. Which we don't catch a lot here in the Missouri yeah. River. We actually get <laughs> right. from Florida. Right. <laughs> Everyday catch or catch of the day, or, you know, whatever they will. You order today before noon, they will, you will get shipped tomorrow. That's right. amazing. Yeah. It, was, there a, was there a dish that you thought, this should have done better on the menu? Yeah, there is a popular dish called Bagara Beganese eggplant dish. It's a lot of work, but... I ended up throwing that in the trash mostly every week because <laughs> really my wife liked that a lot. She's still saying I should make another one was reason one in the our menu was pork belly ulartid. So we used to do that as a special. Then we used to sell a lot, but once we put in the menu, it's no longer really pork like pork belly didn't go over very well. No, I mean people stop buying as much as like before. Hmm. So now hmm. we stop. You just never know about people's tastes, do you? Yeah. Right. No, you don't. No. So so tell us a little about your family now. Now we have a little one that you and Kim welcomed in. Yeah. And me, Kim, and the older one, mm -hmm. Amaya, she's three, and the younger one, Kalyani, she's seven months. Okay. Very good. Well, Brent, uh, why don't you talk a little bit about how we help business owners here at Soar Wealth Strategies. It's one of the things that we like to do. Yeah, you know, some of our uh, some of our favorite clients are business owners because they come to us with multiple challenges, whether they need to set up retirement plans for themselves and their employees, or they want to discuss their employee benefits outside of retirement, you know, it might be life insurance benefits or anything that they can offer. Because Ashish, you know, it's very challenging in today's environment to keep and retain employees. Right. Exactly. And, you know, you probably saw some turnover in those early years. Yeah. It's really, yeah, finding good employees is really hard, but we are actually so lucky. Uh, most of our employees being with us, especially service, or mm -hmm. a year, two year. Right. So they are staying, sticking together. And well, and, and you know, John, there's a lot of really good incentives right now as far as tax credits go for small business owners that set up retirement plans. Right. Get some credits for the first three years of the plan. You can learn more about that at the irs.gov website or 
we can help you out with that here at Soarwell Strategies. Just give us a call at 531-867-3400 or send us a message on our website at soarwellstrategies.com. So sure. we, we uh, help you folks work on the administrative side of retirement plans and help you out with third-party administrators. There are costs to those things, so it's uh, best to have a discussion about that. So Ashish, as we wrap things up here, what's next for your restaurant, Canera? I mean, we are still pretty brand new in Regency. So we are turning one year next month mm-hmm. in Regency. Total, I mean, be in the business four years. We haven't planned anything much bigger yet, but something, I don't know, maybe next year we'll see how the things goes. Maybe another different style of business. Well, you're you're being very modest because every time we've been in there, it's always been busy and uh, you and your staff do a great job to create a wonderful dining experience. I can honestly say that. And for those of you who want to step out and try some unbelievable cuisine from a fantastic chef, fantastic person, please go visit Kanara. As she said, they're located over in Regency. And we really appreciate you having us or having you here on Financial Flight Academy. Thank you for telling your story. And yeah, no problem. We're really glad that you you made it and and you didn't let anything like like COVID stop you in your tracks. So thank, thank you. you. Thank yeah, you. We guys. wish you continued success, Ashish. And uh, if you'd like to get in touch with us here at Sorwell Strategies, maybe have a fit meeting with us to see if we're a good fit for each other. Just give us a call at the previous phone number or visit our website, SorwellStrategies.com. We'll catch you next time on Financial Flight Academy. Thank you for listening to the Financial Flight Academy podcast. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at SoarWealthStrategies.com or give us a call at 531-867-3400. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Soar Wealth Strategies. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Securities and advisory services offered through Commonwealth Financial Network, member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor.